Welcome everybody to another, whatever the opposite of Victory Wednesday, the Scipio Bears podcast is. Uh, I'm Andy, with me as always, Kyle Morris and Mike Donahue. Guys, how you doing? Been better, but I'm still here. Freezing my ass off, walking around trick-or-treating in the goddamn snow tonight, so, you know. So, why are you guys trick-or-treating tonight and not tomorrow? Well, in central Iowa, they have a lovely tradition known as Beggar's Night, which is the night before Halloween, and that's when you do your fucking trick-or-treating around here. I don't know why. Uh, And when I first moved here and someone asked me what I was doing for Beggar's Night, I just stared at them like they were from outer space. But yeah, we we do trick-or-treating here on the 30th, not the 31st, and... Also, it's a tradition in Iowa that the kids are supposed to have a joke, which they present upon request. So, so what was Augie's joke? Uh, he did uh, interrupting cow. So, which goes uh, knock knock. Who's there? Interrupting cow. Interrupting cow. Who? No. <laughs> interrupting cow. Who? Yeah, see, he, he, although he doesn't let them, he doesn't let them start to say interrupting. He just says, he says, knock, knock, who's there? And he just says, interrupting cow moo. But it gets a laugh because he's pretty cute. So he got the candy. So now Beggar's Night is not to be confused with Neawalla, which if you watch um, Last Chance You on Netflix, the Independence, Kansas, where they had the last two years, has apparently the biggest Halloween night celebration in all of central Kansas, or whatever the hell it is. And it was called it was Halloween spelled backwards. And so the oh, team uh, the team would play the game at Halloween at like a little ten o'clock at night. It was like the that was like the culmination of the day. It was weird. I had a friend who <clears throat> worked for me in Michigan who went to Independence. Um, to to work at that community college for a year, and uh, so he would text me during when Last Chance You came out and make fun of everything, and said Neowalla was about the biggest redneck festival he'd ever seen in his life. What's this Sounds Netflix about. show? What's the Netflix show you referenced? It's called Last Chance You, where they oh, follow. <clears throat> there's I think there's four seasons now. They follow. Uh, Community college football team. The first two years were um, this uh, school in uh, Scuba, Mississippi, and their coach was something. But then, when they the last two years in Independence, that coach, holy shit, it's pretty entertaining. And you know, I worked at a community college for a long time. I had a football team, and it's <clears throat> the the problems they run into. We dealt with on a daily fucking basis. So it's pretty good. So it's like um, it's like the HBO show for community college. Yeah, it's, it's hard knocks for community college, which is just about what you would expect. Which is well, sad. wake me up when they do Harper Harper College down the road from me. Actually, no, scratch that. Harper no longer has a no, football. It's got to be College of DuPage. The only ones left. COD baby. All right, so now that we've broken down community college football. <clears throat> let's talk about Mitch. There's a segue. Yeah. Seem, seems about his level. Another fine performance by the Bears. Uh, this time, though, it was a progress that 
the offense worked until they got in the red zone and then it just completely shit itself? I, coaching. I, I, I don't think I Mitch think was any could. worse. Go ahead, Kyle. I, I think they just ran into their first bad pass defense of the season. Um, and it, it's pretty bad when, first of all, Mitch averaged seven seven 7.2 yards per attempt, which is a season high for him, but I believe is actually the lowest yards per attempt the Chargers had allowed in a game this season, which really just about says it all. So, yeah, I... I the red zone frustration really shows what what they're really Mitch and, and Nagy are in a really bad feedback loop right now where Mitch won't correctly read a defense so Nagy's instinct then especially in the red zone is to call plays that don't require a read so he's got either one option or it's a screen or at the slant, but defenses have sniffed out what those plays are for the Bears, so they're covering that one guy. Mitch doesn't really have a choice at that point but to fire it into that guy anyway, which makes him look really stupid, and, and thus Nagy just keeps calling simpler and simpler plays. So they're really, it, it's impossible to separate at this point what is his fault and what is Nagy's fault because they're they're really feeding off of off of each other. In a, in a bad way. Well, and because the offense is so inept, it gave terrible flashbacks to the, well, every Bear team we'd seen previously. <laughs> but I, I distinctly remember a Packer game where Favre threw a pick to Erlocker. Erlocker ran it back like 70 yards but got tackled. I sitting at home going, well, now they're not going to score. Yeah. He had to score a touchdown for them to score. We had the same thing. When they had the, and took the interception the to the four, and you're like, "Well, shit! Now yeah. we're like, we gotta get a touchdown. Now we got to tackle at the four. Yeah, I so, think the uh, Erlacher play was in Lambo in 2001. He sacked Favre on one play, picked one off, but he only went about. Maybe you're thinking of a different game. He went about 15 yards, took it down about the three, and uh, yeah, went three and out. And Paul Edinger shanked the field goal. Yeah, so great. thanks for that memory, Paul Edinger. <clears throat> Great. So Dan Durkin on the some little website called The Athletic broke down their red zone plays on Sunday and, and broke down was pretty good. Um, oh, let me take a big drink here. So at the end of the first quarter, when they had the ball first and goal to four, they come out, their formation, they have the ball at the four-yard line. They go two tight ends, three wide receivers, no running backs. But they still... Run the ball. It's a jet sweep to Corderell for no gain. That, nothing shows confidence in your offensive line quite like a jet sweep from the four. Uh, second down, they actually bring in two running backs. And they throw an incomplete pass to Trey Burton that should have been intercepted. Third down, three tight ends, but no running backs. And they throw an incomplete pass to Shaheen. Have to settle for a field goal. So they have the ball at the four. They run three plays, two passes, and a run to the kick returner. And they don't score a touchdown. It was amazing. I really thought that was going to work. <coughs> next next red zone, uh, second quarter, 5.33 to go. The first and goal at the nine. Um, they start out with they have a running back, a tight end, three wide receivers. 
Uh, hand it to Tariq because it's always good is when you get close to the goal line to give it to your 140-pound running back. Daniels misses a block on a play that looks like it might have scored, and they get no gain. Second goal from the nine, one running back, it's Montgomery. Um, and this was the one, this was exactly, Kyle, what you were just talking about. It was a play design with no reads, predetermined in the huddle who he's going to throw to. And the, the design of the play took Allen Robinson into triple coverage. So, incomplete pass, almost intercepted. Uh, so now third and goal at the nine, and they ran the stupefying, they had um, three running backs tied in a wide receiver, but they ran a, what was basically a counter sweep to Tariq Cohen. They had him running all the way across the field for the nine. He gained two yards. So uh, three plays, two yards, have kick again. And then the last one, which is maybe the most infuriating of them all, uh, it's at the end of the second quarter, 46 seconds to go. They get a fair amount of plays off in 46 seconds, which is easy when you keep throwing incomplete passes. <clears throat> First and goal to four. Montgomery's the lone running back. They have one tight end, three wide receivers. Um, they try to they run a, a kind of a normal football play. They try to run between the center and the guard. They get no gain. They also get no push. It never had a chance. Uh, so they go second and goal from the four. They have three tight ends in the game. They line them all up to the left, and they line Corderell up out there. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, go ahead. They, they had three players lined up at tight end. They yeah, don't right. have three. Three guys <laughs> wearing tight end pads. Yeah. Lined up to the left. Corderell lined up out there, too. So no read again. Mitch turns and throws to Patterson. For, it's basically a tunnel screen. Completely lit up. He gets He gains a yard. Um, so on third down, they run yet another play without a read for Mitch. Running back, tight end, three wide receivers. It's that, it's the the double move, which is tough to run from the three to Robinson, where Mitch makes, just a, makes a bad throw. He overthrows him. And the penalty, there was a penalty on the play on the Chargers. It was holding, and it had to be, because they would not have gotten past interference because the throw was so bad. So, now they have first and goal at the one. And you think, all right, they can't possibly screw this up. 29 seconds to go. First and goal at the one. They go with one running back. It's Montgomery. Two tight ends, two wide receivers. Um, and they have this weird formation where they line Burton, Corderell, and Robinson up to the right in kind of a bunch formation with Montgomery lined up behind them. Shaheen is the lone wide out to the left. And so the play was supposed to be if Mitch looks and sees that they've got the Chargers outnumbered on that right side, just immediately snap it, throw it to Montgomery, he'll walk in for a touchdown. They do, but Mitch doesn't snap it. So then his second option is Shaheen is going to run a fade, but Mitch reaches down with his arm and gives Shaheen a signal, which Nagy confirmed yesterday, was Mitch changing the play to a slant. For no apparent reason. So he instead of throwing a fade to his enormous tight end, who can only do one thing, he runs him into the defense for an incomplete pass. Um, so now they have second and goal from the one still. And they run Montgomery up the middle. He gets, not only does he get tackled, he gets piled up on. The Chargers do a good job of not bothering to get up. So the Bears can't actually run a third down play. 
they have to clock it. They kick a field goal. They take the lead. They get booed off the field with the lead. And so they ran 12 plays in the red zone. They went one for five passing for one yard. They rushed the ball six times for two yards. Wow. They had one penalty, which gave them a first down down there. And so in the first half, they ran 12 plays in the red zone for three yards. In the second half, do you know how many plays they had in the red zone? I don't. They had one. A four-yard touchdown rush by Montgomery. So for the day, 13 plays, seven yards. One touchdown. Well, wait. On the did they not get inside the twenty yard line on uh, Mitch's scramble in the fourth quarter before taking a loss on a kneel down, or maybe that doesn't count? No, they weren't inside the twenty. They're the, they're right at the twenty, I think. Right, because it was a they had to be at the twenty four. It was a forty one yeah, yard field goal. So he, Mitch must have got to the twenty three. I so thought he got to the twenty, and then they had two kneel downs, right? They had one kneel down. They lost just, one. They lost one yard. Just one. All right. That's its yeah, own. It was, that's its own brand of absurdity that we have to get to. But yeah, just the play calling. I uh, thank you for breaking that down. You know, I was a little bit. Um, I was not able to consistently um, see the entire game. I. We had my nine-year-old's birthday party. It was at a roller rink. Let me just tell you, if you haven't roller skated in a while, like I have, and you're 47 and fat, that's quite a tricky proposition. I'm just thinking of, I can't afford to fall here. <laughs> but I would I would invariably go around the rink a couple times and come back into the place. So I was a little bit, and every time I would come back around, it seemed like the Bears were in the red zone. I'd see him go backwards, and then I'd go for another spin, and I think I was better off. But until you broke it down, I honestly did not even understand exactly how absolutely feeble both the play calling and the execution was. That's just that's just fucking absurd. A lot of people, I mean, and I've made I've made the Tressman jokes too, mostly because the you know the kicking a field goal on settling for a field goal on second mm-hmm. down, and uh, you know that that's very Tressman like. But the offense reminds me the most right now. Of Gary Crowton's second year, yeah. there's just there there is no. Well, first of all, there's an abundance of talent, teacher, and there there is no plot. There's no plan of attack. There's no rhythm. It's just a grab bag of plays and 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 gimmicky plays. What you would call you know bubble screens and draws it and. All these things are, 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 are what are known as constraint plays. They are not supposed to be the base of your offense. They are the plays that you go to. You know, when you see the defense is lifting, you want to throw the hot or you want to, you know, you want to catch him in that with a screen. Or when you see the defense is cheating up, you want to do, you know, this or that. That's when your bubble screens come in handy. Once those become your base plays, once you're lining up and you're just admitting that you can't beat the other team running, you know, any actual plays, then those constraint plays become completely useless because defenses if a defense can just stay and play honest and beat your and beat your offense, that's what they're gonna do. And Nagy right now, he has no answer and he just keeps hoping he can kind of gimmick his way or bluff his way to something. But you know, those those pass plays seem like gimmies. 
when Aaron Rodgers runs them because yeah, you're, you you got your safety backed up 20 yards because you're more afraid of the 40 yard bomb. That's why he gets it automatic six or seven yards on those screens. But when they know that's all your guy can do, they're not they're not going to give you that cushion. So he he really has no response to it. And you know he he made his big bragged about commitment to the run. He got 20 run attempts. It worked really well. And yet. When push comes to shove, when he's in the red zone and everything else, the last mm-hmm. fucking thing he wants to do is line up in the eye and yeah. run the goddamn ball. Well, they never did it. Yeah. They, they only had two running backs in the game on one of those 12 plays, I think. Yeah. Well, they had three in one, but it was a gimmick formation. God forbid he ever just line up. But outside the 20, they were actually running some plays from the, from the eye. They were gaining yards. The... Not only the the Chargers defense was all beat up, they were missing two guys in the in their interior line, which was making it easier to run. But then you get in the red zone three times, and it's amazing. They really should get some kind of extra award for this. They didn't usually if you th- if you get to the red zone three times and you don't score, it's because you either have you either lose yards on plays or you have t- t- terrible penalties. They didn't have a single penalty and they didn't run a play that lost a yard. But they they also only I think the most yards they gained on any one play, short of the one short of the penalty, I think was two yards on yeah. any of those plays. And again, does anyone does anyone remember when they used to let Mitch run the ball in the red zone? Yeah, didn't remember. That? Am I the only one that remembered that? Like they they got he had like six rushing touchdowns last year because yeah. if you let the quarterback keep the ball, that's hard to defend. Yeah. But for some reason, they're they're very intent on protecting Mitch at all costs. But he's not he's fucking worth it without that part of his game. Is that is that the result of Nagy so insistent on developing Mitch as a quarterback that he's under orders? First of all, he doesn't he doesn't have any he doesn't call any plays by design that have Mitch running, and it almost seems like Mitch is just far less inclined to. Uh, you know, I, to, when it breaks down to run, I mean, he did it at the end of the game, but yeah, he's still young enough where that's that should be a threat. And I think, and I've said this before, when he got hurt against the Vikings last year, I think yeah, they drilled they it into his head. They told him, "You cannot survive in this league. You cannot be the quarterback we want. You an elite quarterback if your first instinct is to run." And he and Mitch can't help but overthink things and he lost that instinct because i mean you you can't be a scrambling quarterback by just dancing around in a pocket and and only running as a last option like sometimes you just have to if you see an opening you've got to commit to take it which he was really good at last year before the injury and now i think when he sees that opening he hears that little voice in his head telling him no wait reset your feet look and see if there's something open and by that point, it's too late. Well, so, and and a consequence of that, it seems to me, is that now his footwork is because now he's. It seems as though he's so determined not to, you know, break out of the pocket. I, I mentioned this last week. I mean, he he looks like he, he's got Grossman feet. I got nothing against Grossman, but you remember how, you know, the pocket would collapse and he just completely goes goes down. And you know, outside of that last scramble. Where you finally kind of showed he, he his ability to escape, it seems for the better part of this year, 
even if you're not even if you're not having Mitch run by design or whatever, uh, it breaks down. Usually, he just trips over his own feet. His footwork is off. And like, when where did that come from? I just I think he's he had so much drill. He's a guy that he's really a dude that needs to be in. And I don't know if this would work or not, but he really is, he's a dude that needs to be in kind of a a Mike Leach style offense or a, like a Chip Kelly style offense where there's actually not that many plays. They just kind of they they pretend that there are with different formations and different things like that, but keep things extremely simple and just let the quarterback run. You know, let him play fast. And it's clear that Nagy last year tailored the offense to letting Mitch play fast, letting Mitch play loose. And then this offseason, there was all that talk about how it's 202, it's time for you to, to learn the whole playbook, it's time for and he, like, he, the system crashed, man. There's just not <laughs> enough, there's not enough RAM there to run that, that software. Well, I mean, so, there have been plenty of dumb kids who have gotten passing grades in 101 and 102 and can't pass 201 or 202 and that seems to be Mitch. I I agree with everything you you two said about him not running anymore. And I I think I don't know if it's them hammering it into his head as much as I think it's him maybe them inadvertently hammering it into him with the, you know, you need to be able to make these reads and these throws if you're going to be a quarterback in this league, which he does. They're not lying to him. But I almost wonder if the the emergence of Allen Robinson has actually somehow taken Mitch's running away. And I say it only because of this. I think if, if we went back and looked at, at his pass plays he had last year, or pass plays that turned into good runs for him, because he's so limited, he would drop back, take one, read one player, go, that guy's not open, and then run. And mm-hmm. now it seems to be he drops back, and his first read is usually Allen Robinson. He just throws it to him anyway. He doesn't even yeah. get to the part of the play where he's like, oh, shit, I guess I can roll out here and get a few yards and get out of bounds. He seems to just throw it. And I don't know if that's them protecting him or him thinking, this is how you play quarterback. I, I don't know. He's he's just not – I don't think he's terribly bright. And that's – I don't know how you – there's no one there – you can't fix dumb. And that's, I think, what they've got. Well, yeah, and being dumb itself doesn't necessarily – eliminate you. Like I said, Terry Bradshaw won four Super Bowls. Brett Favre's not exactly Mensa. Some of it, you know, I don't know. I, I, Yeah, he's not smart, but I don't know if that itself is necessary, necessarily a requisite for well, I success at that position. If, if, a lot of that goes back to your coach then. Are, yep, are, you, exactly. running, are you running an offense that your quarterback can actually run? Does he understand the things he needs to do to be able to run it? And if he doesn't, you have to change it. Because it's a hell of a lot easier to change the offense than just change the quarterback. Well, and, and I think you see it again. You see it again in that, and, and it happened in this game as well. The only time Mitch looks comfortable is in the two-minute drill. Yeah. In the hurry up. And the reason that is is because in those situations, you only have a handful of plays. Yeah. And you're, you're calling them when you get back. You're calling them when you get up to the line. You don't have time to think about it. And I think this, this also goes back to Nagy. Like we said, he doesn't have – there's no plan. And, I, I mean, yeah, I'm sure they have a game script, but it, he clearly throws it away the second anything. I, I think he got punched in the mouth in the first quarter against Green Bay, and he still never recovered. 
and it, it takes very little to bump him off of his game plan and have him fall back on the same old shit. And so I think Mitch doesn't really have any kind of idea of what the sequence is going to be. He doesn't know, okay, well, if this doesn't work, then we're going to try this. Or, or, you know, if this works, then the next play is going to be, you know, the next thing we're going to try is this. You know, it. Nagy's dialing buttons on a place in, in Madden, and and Mitch, Mitch is not. Uh, you know, he's still he's still on rookie on rookie mode. Yeah, and and maybe permanently fixed there. He should. You know, there, I'm not denying that Mitch is a disaster. He should be far beyond this tonight. If they don't, you know, I've given up on him. But at the same time, I don't. It's a feedback. Like I said, it, 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 you can't really. It's a snake eating its own tail. I couldn't tell you how much of this is Nagy and how much of this is Mitch because they, they they have both broken each other. Well, and you know, Nagy part part of the problem has to be that he doesn't have a quarterback who can get to the line and get them out of a bad play. If he calls a play and the defense shows something different than what he thought they were going to show. It's not like Mitch is going to go, all right, I recognize this. We're going to change to this. I mean, I'm sure he audibles, but he's probably wrong most of the time when he does it, or maybe Nagy just doesn't let him. But that's another part of it. If you have a you have a coach who thinks he's a genius, he can be helped by a, a savvy quarterback who gets a line and goes, oh, that's not going to work. We've got to run this. I just can't imagine Mitch recognize. He doesn't seem to recognize simple things. I can't imagine he gets to the line and is like, oh, this we should switch to this. This will work. I don't know. I don't know how much they ever audible. Yeah, I yeah. think. Go ahead. Go. I think uh, if you go back to the to, to the strength, the first ten games last year, really from week three or week four to about week ten before he got hurt, that when Mitch was going well, he's the kind of guy that, in his best case scenario, I think could actually be more like a poor man's Cam Newton. Um, you know, his game is going to consist of a lot of, you know, high, like, you're going to have to try to stretch the field vertically because he's not going to be a 70% passer, you know, in the intermediate passes. And you have to, you just have to let him take off and run it. You have to accept the risk of injury. And I think after he got hurt last year, and I think Nagy, and he'll tell you how much, you know, he raised about how much he loved him. I think Nagy has been really trying to turn him into Alex Smith. But you can only succeed with Alex Smith if you have Alex Smith because that guy is so accurate and, and, and makes the right reads so on, on every play that you can deal with the fact that he basically has no vertical element in his game. Mitch is never going to be that guy. He's just not. And, and trying to make him into that guy, you have a, you have a Frankenstein monster where – He's definitely got Alex Smith cowardice, you know. He, at this point, he's he's scared to do anything, take any <laughs> shot downfield. He's scared. He doesn't have the anticipation that you need to, to thrive without that. So since we um, since we first point, kind of pointed out how much he just locks in, not just on the primary uh, look, but almost spe- specifically Allen Robinson, it it just really seemed. And I don't know if it's because we've brought it up and I was more conscious of it, but in Sunday's game, it just seemed comical. I'm, I mean, I, I'm no football expert, but I'm watching it, and 
you know, yeah, we already know he's not checking down. And it was almost hilarious to me. There was a stretch where I was, wa- yeah, I was watching consistently. He's dropping back. He's looking one direction. It's to Robinson, and he just kept throwing it to Robinson. Sometimes Robinson was open. He'd hit him. Sometimes he was covered. He'd still get the reception. Other times he was covered and not. And, I mean, that seems not good. I mean, he just doesn't see the field. He, he panics and he doesn't. Uh, we've known this, but it, it really seems obvious now. And he just does not check down. And yeah, Robinson's his his whoopee, his security blanket. Well, if, yeah, if you're an inaccurate quarterback, away. you would love Allen Robinson because yeah, he's big. He's, he's got a big catch radius, and he catches. You know, he makes some pretty incredible catches. And then he gets into a spot where he has a relatively easy throw to make to Taylor Gabriel, and he misses him by 10 yards. It should yep. be an easy touchdown. That It seals the game. You win. And no. He also made a, just an egregious error, a terrible read on the interception he threw in the fourth quarter. And well, then the fumble was him doing that weird thing. He's, he, he, it ended up getting hit by his own lineman. But he had the ball in the wrong hand again. He just switches hands yeah. for no reason back there. He put it in his left hand not to run. He was going to put it back in his right hand again. It's like, what are you – I've never seen fundamentals like that. So a team that supposedly has all these guys who do nothing but coach the quarterback, apparently they all tell Mitch something different every day. And that he, just, was, he just starts over well, every day. That's one of those things where, like, whatever, you know – Whenever you go too far into criticizing Nagy, you'll get someone who will say, well, what's he supposed to do with a quarterback that won't hit wide open guys? And it's true. Like, there, there, as a play, there, there is no – as much as I've, I've criticized Nagy's play calling this season and, and it deserves it, there is no play calling fix for that. Like, if, if there's a wide open guy and you're not seeing him or you are seeing him and you're overthrowing him, nothing can fix that. So that's on the quarterback. But on the other hand, who the fuck was hired to develop the quarterback? Yeah. Yeah, we talked about that last week. It comes back to Nagy. He took the job. Like we said, he's not going to take a job if he thinks the kid's going to get him fired. He's an off. He's a quarterback guru. And you know what? Nagy's been uh, Trubisky has been a disappointment, and it looks even more when when you sort of contrast him to Mahomes and Watson, it looks even more egregious. But by any objective measure, he was a first round pick anyway. Okay, yeah, all right, maybe not everyone saw his flaws, but I think every scout, every team had them on their had him on their board as a first round pick. So you're bringing in a quarterback coach. Yeah, maybe he didn't get the right quarterback. But if you got a guy that by by every objective measure is a first round talent and you bring in a you know an offensive coach, I mean at some point it's on that coach to, to get something out of him. I mean, unless somehow everybody was just wrong and Trubisky really is awful, but I don't think that's the case. Nagy definitely has to bear the responsibility for his lack of development. Well, I think Nagy, Nagy fell into the offensive coordinator, or the offensive guru trap. And I think he looked at what they did last year and he was like, all right, that was pretty good for year one. Let's open up the playbook in year two. And I actually think where they were last year, the playbook was fine. I would have spent the offseason really focusing on Mitch's comfort level because if they, if you just go back to last year, you don't need to change anything about the play calling. Focus on the dude's deep balls so that he hits three or four more of those guys that he overthrew last year. And you have four, another, another 10, 15 points. 
so it was really more of a thing where I felt like they needed to tweak the guy they had and focus more on his development as a passer than on right. their development as a playbook. As, as a playbook, offense. yeah. That less on less on the play calling and more on the actual development of the quarterback. You know, yeah, both parts of the I job. Mean, all, so. those guys, all those offensive guys, like that's that's where they they always it it's always a scheme thing that needs to be improved. And it's always a it's always a play calling thing that needs to be improved. It's never you know, it's never just fixing the player. So. Well, and Mike, you're exactly right. We talked last week about you know Nagy took the job. Because he was comfortable with Mitch, he claimed that the he was high on him coming out of college. But I also got to thinking about that, and it's it's not like you know the Bears swooped in and hired Nagy as quickly as possible. They acted like this was this coup that they flew out there. They took Sweaty Teddy and um, and Pace flew out with. I don't can't remember if George McCaskey flew out with him or not, and. Um, then they worked this deal out to get this hot coaching candidate who just the day before had presided over one of the biggest playoff collapses of all time because he refused to run the ball in the second half of a playoff game and managed to lose a playoff game to Marcus Mariota. So maybe Nagy, as a savvy enough guy who didn't want to have to go back to selling real estate again, was like, I don't care who the quarterback is. I just want to be an NFL head coach. and I'll tell them what they want to hear. So I don't know. Maybe he maybe he he misevaluated Mitch as bad as anybody, or maybe he was just a guy who was like, "Holy shit, they're going to make me a head coach." Yes, I'll take it. <laughs> that's in, that's encouraging. Um, question: Next year, who's more likely to be here, Nagy or Trubisky? Oh, it seems N- that Nagy's here. I'd be amazed. I'd right. be amazed if Nagy is in here two years from now. Okay, and if it's not if Mitch if Mitch is actually gone, are we looking at you? You you made a reference not related to this, but you 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 dropped Mariota's name. I'm hearing him mentioned as like now this could be another Alex Smith. You know, been around for a few years now. What do they do? Is that what they do? Is that the plan? If Nagy's still here and they still have faith in him and he's going to be the guy, do they go after kind of a young veteran to so we don't don't have to take another step backwards? Yeah, I don't see any way that they they get rid of Nagy this year. And I, Trubisky, he'll be back next year just because next year is the last year that he's cheap. They won't pick up that fifth year option, but he'll be back next year. They they'll definitely bring in veteran competition. I, I would hope it, it's someone. I mean, I would. My personal pick at this point would be to see if you can get Bridgewater because his deal with New Orleans will be up. Um, but I think. God help me. Some people, I think, would like to see Mariota to compete with Mitch, which I think is, in some ways, just having Mitch compete yeah, with. Yeah, I think he's he's Hawaiian Mitch. <laughs> but yeah, there there'll be, yeah there there'll be someone brought in. My guess is it, Mariota Bridgewater. Although Bridgewater, I think he he probably did enough in his stint with the Saints that he he, he can get a starting job. Him. Yeah, I think he can say like, "I'll sign with you, but you better guarantee me." the starter right. job, which I would. I mean, I, well, I, I've, I've seen enough for Mitch. Well, yeah, bring him in and, and bring him in and make him earn it. It shouldn't be that hard of a hard of a task if he's only having to score off against Trubisky, right? But like you're right, though. Why would he do that if another team is more you know more likely to guarantee um, the starting gig without a without a, a tryout? But 
Yeah, I think part of the Mariota because the Mariota thing is, you know, obviously the the Titans have already they're moving on from him, but it's the Mark Helfrich. You know, that was his. They were at Oregon together. I don't know that Helfrich is still going to be around. Somebody's going to somebody. This coaching staff is going to pay a price for this too. It's just not going to be Nagy, at least not yet. But I think that's why people draw that connection I, right away. I think if you hire if you hire Helfrich, what is your argument for doing so? He, he doesn't even call the fucking play. So I feel like more likely if anyone if they're going to make anyone on offense take the ball for this, it'll be Dave or the quarterback. Yeah, shit rolls downhill, not uphill. So we'll see how far down it goes. So, uh, speaking of the coaches, we get we get to the end of the game, and uh, Mitch makes a couple of nice plays, makes a nice scramble, gets into field goal range, and then they Nagy completely goes into Trustman mode, and they decide, "Yep, oh my God, what if we?" His explanation after the game was just completely dumbfounding. And they were like, you know, you had yep. plenty of time. Did you think about trying to get any closer? And he's like, well, what? You got all red ass. We run the ball. We know they're going to run the ball. We're going to lose four yards. Well, that's right. a lot of confidence in your in your offensive genius that you can't at least line up. He's worried they're either going to fumble or they're going to lose four yards. If you can't run a running play where the running back doesn't lose the ball and doesn't lose four yards, what, what sport? Do you think you're playing? A, f- um, a fumble is less likely than a, than than a missing a uh, you know forty yard field goal. And if you had a real yeah, quarterback, I mean, 40... you could throw. You, what almost every team would just run something quick to the sidelines. And in this yeah. case, they wouldn't even have to get out of bounds because really the clock at that point you 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 wanted it to not run. an issue. Um, yeah. But they didn't. They obviously don't trust Mitch. And they don't trust the offensive line enough not to get completely blown up that they're going to kill the running backs. And they don't trust a running back to at least just hang on the ball and fall Hold down. We don't even care yep. if you gain a yard here. If you do, great. If you don't, whatever. So then they get into kneel-down mode, and they they take the ball. Mitch takes a couple steps over, kneels it, so it's going to be on the left hash mark. And Eddie comes out and misses the field goal, of course. I think everybody knew that was going to happen. He came out just because of the way the game was going. Yep. And then yesterday he gets asked about it and says, it said, well, is that where you wanted the ball? And he's like, well, well, no. And then immediately apparently went, oh, I didn't say that. And then they checked with Mitch today and Mitch said, well, that's where they told me to go. So <laughs> Olin Krutz went crazy about this on Twitter saying, oh, the kicker just threw everybody under the bus and he should be able to make that kick and all that stuff. And I've, to me, that's not an either-or. Yes, Eddie should have made the field goal. It's a 41-yard field goal. But if right. you have decided you, you can't handle the risk of running a play, so you're just going to put the ball where your kicker wants it, here's a novel idea. Put it where he actually wants it. Don't put it on the opposite hash mark that he wants to put the ball. And if you well, can screw something that simple up, how much other shit do they screw up that we just don't even know about during the course of the game? Well, he wanted it, on the, he wanted it, he wanted it in the middle of the field. Right, he, I think he, he just wanted it, wanted it in the middle. Yeah, because he's—I mean—he's he's a straight line kicker. His, his greatest strength is, is that he has just a fucking boot. So yeah, he, he wants it where he can just line up and, and kick it straight. So, uh, well, yeah. I, wait a second. Um, when, when they took the kneel down, were they already at the hash mark? Because they were in the middle of I the mean, field. Teams, 
They were in because the middle. Mitch, so Mitch was told to to actually kneel it on the left hash yeah. mark. If you watch, like, Mitch takes take the snap, the snap and, and he has to off. he has to move to his left before he kneels down so that the ball will go to that hash mark. Well, I mean, because I, I would think I would think everything else being equal, you'd want to be between the hash marks for most kickers, regardless. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but and I thought that's what they were. That's the point. I thought that's the point of the kneel down is that you can get off of it. They actually went from the middle of the field. Towards one of the yeah. hash marks, right? They moved it from the middle to a hash mark. And so, kickers are weird. You know, these weird I know, soccer true. guys. Some of them want to play a fade. Some of them want to play a hook. Some of them just want to kick it down the middle, let the ball do whatever it's going to do. Eddie, though, when you watch him kick his his balls, it, when they do move, they they always hook. It always moves right to left. So when they lined up on the left, I'm watching it like he's going to have to play uh, this. Wow. He's going to have to play this to the right. And he basically played it to the middle, and then what little wind there was and his natural whatever took it, and, of course, he misses it by three inches to the left. Which, of course, yeah, if they were five yards closer, three yards even, if they'd run a play, Or then if they were in the middle of the fucking probably, field, like they were supposed to be. Right. Sneaks it, right. Sneaks it right inside. Oh, my God. They, they, like, went out of their way to lose that game, it seems. I, you know the Trustman comparison. It does just uh, for just historical context. It's kind of like a reverse Trustman because that Saints game felt like the the game in Trustman's second season where they came off a bye, they were struggling and they got completely wiped out by I think Green Bay, um, and that's what that Saints game felt like. And then you go to the next week. So it's not exactly an exact analogy because it's sort of out of sequence. But the game last week was like the game in Trestman's first year. We've talked about it. We talked about it earlier in the podcast. Kyle and I are both there. The whole kicking on second down. Yeah. Um, the Vikings game. Yeah. Yeah, the Vikings game. And, and so, yeah, it, just the, the, um, the eerie parallels the last couple of weeks, it's just it's too much for my stomach to handle. Well, and I didn't realize until I looked it up that Viking – Robbie Gold's field goal was 47 yards. Right. Yeah. Like, well, and I raised it about Trestman – I, before that kick even happened because it, it's a case where and, and Trestman defended himself with the numbers the same way Nagy did which again or did which again the numbers are not on your side here because the odds of a fumble loss etc holding penalty are, are still less than the the at at, at best percent chance of missing a 40 goal but gold specifically was better his entire career at 50 plus yards or under 45 than he was from 45 to 49 for whatever reason that was his worst area he only made like 66 percent of you mentioning that in that range so he literally settled for the worst (laughs) range gold had and i was screaming about it in the stadium i said i'm like robbie is not good from 45 to 49 yards. He's terrible. Go forward. And my wife was, was doing that look where she's like, look, if you keep going like this, I'm going to have to act like I don't know you. <laughs> but I was screaming it before it even happened. So yeah, yeah. I was very bad. And, and, you know, Eddie, we don't have enough information on to really say what he's good at or not, but I know he's probably better at anything under 40 than anything over 40. And you had time. He's good at uh, he's good at praising his Messiah when he makes it. Oddly enough, he didn't blame him when he missed. Praise your Messiah now, Eddie. Yeah, well, after the Denver game, need Edgar G. Sorry. 
to taunt. <laughs> oh well. Well, we didn't talk at all about the defense. Um, no, yeah, they were. Oh, I do have one positive. They got over 300 yards on offense. Yes, they did. They were the the last team to do it. Woohoo! <laughs> And uh, and you know Floyd, the Dolphins I, it, did it before them, for God's sakes. Yeah, the defense. I think Smith looked a little. I didn't see a lot again. Um, the defense. The defense was fine. And at that one point, you know, they had the freaking lead. They had the game in their hand. Trubisky throws that terrible interception. Defense bails them out. You know, it, it really irritates me when you have the lead. You know, with that type of an offense, and you just keep giving the other team chances to win. Defense bail them out. Um, I don't even remember how because I was going around the rink a couple times, and then the Bears get the ball. The defense gets the ball back, and then Mitch fumbles the ball on an unforced error, and then finally San Diego scores. I don't know. I think the defense finally, you know, they, they were fine. Uh, it wasn't their fault. And I think Smith, and we focus more on Smith and Floyd about their drop-off the last few weeks. I think, uh, I don't know. Um, you guys watch the game more closely. I don't know if I'm missing anything, but I don't I don't really see too much to pick apart with regards no, to the, the defense. The defense was solid, and, and um, um, Floyd's still an non-factor, but Roquan yeah. had one of the best games of his career. So I thought so. I'm hoping, I'm hoping the kids, you know, whatever was going on, I hope that's passed. And, and you know, the, the couple weeks where he just seemed kind of off were, were an aberration. But, uh, yeah, Smith, there, I really don't have any complaints about the defense in that one. They did, honestly, everything they could. And, you know, Philip Rivers isn't exactly a scrub. No matter how much the Chargers' defense has struggled this year, it's it, it, there's no shame in giving up a couple touchdowns to Philip Rivers. No. But that, uh, yeah, there's there's only one real complaint in this game, and it's you know it's the same two guys that really deserve all the blame at this point: the head coach and the quarterback. Yeah, because the defense kept putting them in spots to score. I mean, the Bears should have won that game. They right. should have scored at least thirty points and won it comfortably. Yeah. But they didn't, and you're right. That's not on the defense. There's only so much they could do. All right. So looking ahead, we have the first time all year that the Bears are an underdog. They go God, off to they go to Philadelphia to play an Eagles team that has different problems than the Bears, but problems nonetheless. And the Eagles are anywhere from a five. Well, it's Four-and-a-half to five-point favorites. So for this exercise, we will say that they're four-and-a-half-point favorites over the Bears. And the over-under is 42. Which is... Okay. Um, I'd just like to point out last week, in addition to picking uh, against the Bears on the spread, I think I believe I specifically said, because it was four-and-a-half... I said, uh, I think the Bears are going to win. They're not going to cover. It's going to come down to a Panero field goal. Almost had it right. But I also, my other prediction was that I was going out on a limb here. It was that Montgomery was going to get 100 yards. And he did. Um, but, you know, Philadelphia is coming off a win, and, you know, they're acting like it kind of saved their season. So, I don't know. I What did you say the over-under was again, Andy? 42. This week. 42. I'm, uh, I'm going to take the under and uh, I don't think uh, I don't think Philly's going to cover. They're struggling. I know they're coming off a big win. Maybe that's going to propel them. Maybe they blow the Bears out. The Bears continue to go down. I'm going to show a little bit of faith. It's mostly in the defense. It's going to be a low-scoring close game. 
Um, I'm going to predict that the Eagles still win by a field goal, um, 17 to 14. So I'm taking the under, uh, but the Bears getting the five, the four and a half will actually cover. You're not going to you're not going to take the Eagles 16 15 with Eddie bouncing a ball off two parts of the upright to end it. <sighs> Seems too obvious. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna take the Eagles. Uh, I'm I'm done. They broke me. I got nothing left. <laughs> I'll believe it when I fucking see it. Yeah. I, if, I don't fault you at all. No, I'm taking I'm taking the Eagles to cover, to win and to cover. Hell, I took the Chargers last week. The Chargers were awful. You did. And if I took the you Chargers, lost. if I took the Bears to. Uh, uh, to that, lose guess, at home to the Chargers, I sure as hell am not picking them to beat the Eagles on the road. So I will take no. the uh, the Eagles to cover. Um, yeah, I'll take the under. I think 42 is a little high for these two. Um, but, you know, they get to say hi to Alshon again, who's not playing well at all. He'll probably get healthy just because. Um, I don't know. It's going to get to. Uh, I don't know. Did you guys catch the drama a couple weeks ago in Eagles land where uh, uh, an offensive player anonymously trashed Carson Wentz, who's, first of all, the only healthy, in a, in a surprise twist of events, the only healthy and functioning member of that offense. <laughs> um, an anonymous player trashed Carson Wentz to the to the press, and it was revealed that it was Alshon. It was Alshon. And then it was, uh, it was rumored that he did the same thing last year, but the same, the, the same reporter said, no, it wasn't him last year. It was somebody else. <laughs> like, I think that's worse. Wow. <laughs> that means there's two of them. It'd be, you know, if Elshon, if that was just his deal, that he did it every year, well, you know. But, yeah, he said, no, Elshon well, didn't, Elshon didn't do it last year, but he do he's doing it this year. I think it's Wentz, or not Wentz, I think it's Elshon, and I think the other one is Zach Ertz who's doing it. Because those are the, the offense, the Eagles offense as a whole was worse with Foles in there. But Ertz and Jeffrey did a lot better because Foles uh, kind of did the, the 2014 or 2013 Josh McCown thing where he would just throw it up to the big guy, yeah. whatever he could. Ah. And uh, so, so Alshon and, and Ertz really profited. But Wentz, it, he's actually a better quarterback. He tends to spread the ball around. Um, a bit more instead of just relying on the studs, and I don't think the studs appreciate that very much. I mean, I would think if they if they don't like uh, Carson, the easy solution I, I the easy solution would be they should just give Carson to the Bears. Right, not even trade him. Yeah, just give no, him. Just okay. let him. Fl- you know, the trade deadline's passed. Just let him get on the plane and come back to Chicago. We'll leave Mitch behind. It'll be a de yeah. facto trade, and um, what did, see if everybody's just happier add- after that. Can I just ask, why do they even have a trade deadline in the NFL? Nothing ever happens at the trade deadline in the NFL. Tell that Did anything to, happen this tell year? Tell that to Aqib Tlaib. He's got to go play for the Dolphins oh, for the rest of the year. I stand, I stand corrected. <laughs> <laughs> I can just see a that. I can imagine that conversation. Aqib, he got traded. It took it to the Dolphins. It took a team that was overtly tanking to, to actually – Take advantage of the trade deadline. Well, there Got were all it. kinds of rumors, and um, you know the Jets, the, the the Jets apparently put everybody out on the trade block, and then they didn't make a trade, and so um, Le'Veon Bell is pissed, and um, <laughs> shit, the safety, the really good safety they have from LSU, I can't think Jamal of his name. Adam. He's super pissed. 
because his name yeah. got brought up in trade rumors. And um, and then because they have weird Adam Gase as their head coach, he had a press conference today and refused to talk about it when he probably could have diffused it in about 30 seconds and just said, look, we didn't shop those guys. Teams called about them. We listened. We didn't want to trade them. We value them. But he doesn't say stuff like that because he's weird and his eyes just have yeah. to bug out all the time. And um, Well, Schefter, Schefter was supposedly reporting that the Bears – we're interested in trading Taylor Gabriel to the 49ers for CJ Beathard. I think so, it was the opposite. Wow. I think the Niners were interested Floated in trading CJ Beathard for Gabriel, who played for Shanahan with the Falcons, and the Bears were like, what the fuck are we going to do with CJ Beathard? We've already got bad quarterbacks. We don't need another <laughs> one. Yeah, Beathard, uh, Beathard has, made a, uh, has made an entire NFL career um, out of being the grandson of the guy that drafted Ryan Leaf. Like, yeah. that's it. That's his entire claim to fame. Bobby Beathard was still in San Diego. He's the guy that drafted Leaf. Okay. Yep. Um, I don't – I can't even imagine a scenario where the Eagles don't win this game. Football is funny, though, because that was a huge win for them. They're only a half game behind – Dallas, it just seems like they're poised to make the run. But, you know, I'm willing to tune in. The Bears are not mathematically eliminated yet. What the hell? Um, but, geez, it's, I, feel like, I feel like Lamb's being led to a slaughter. Well, this is a good illustration of just how bad this season is for the Bears because the Eagles, they're not good. It no, should be yeah. a game you go in there and beat them, and nobody has any confidence that can actually happen. Well, it, no, yeah, it's, they're not it's, what they were in the last couple of years. It's just like the playoff game last year, though. The the one weakness, the the weakness on this Eagles team, is just a dog shit secondary, yeah. and the Bears don't. Yeah. You know, the Bears don't have a way of taking advantage of that because it doesn't matter how many wide open receivers you leave streaking down the field. Our guy can't hit them. No. So, <laughs> well, it, it'll it'll ironically play to their to the Eagles' advantage because Nagy's going to look at that and go. Woo, let's throw over and over and over again. And then all those passes just clink off the grass or off of somebody's hands. And then next thing you know, you got the ball back. Somebody's hands. You're really showing a lot of faith in Mitch. Well, I didn't say Bears to hands. Oh, I meant Eagles hands. Right. Fair enough. Yeah. And we get to see Jordan. We get Even to see Jordan still. Howard. So that'll be a whole thing. And we get Dick Stockton and Mark Soreth again. We're in that. We've, oh. we've, we've fallen into that hell now. Well, we're going to get them every week. Every week. It's either Stockton or Brenneman. And once again, Brenneman, the, the, the Bears are so laughable, he didn't even bother me. And usually that guy's mere presence. Yeah, just... I even tweeted that he, for once he was the perfect guy to have because he was so disgusted by right. the Bears' offense that he was actually he, he were actually like, hey, Tom and I are he, he, he on the same aligned, side today. Right. He, <laughs> he was aligned with Bears fans, and it wasn't annoying. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> At one point he just that, goes, against the Saints. <laughs> Aikman's palpable frustration with Trubisky yeah, was we really talked about that. Yeah, he really. Echoed no, we talked about team. that when he when he when he missed Gabriel on the third the third possession on that third down play where they they actually called yeah. the perfect play. Andy pointed that out. Aikman it took everything in Aikman's <laughs> power not to have an aneurysm yeah. in the booth. Well, at one point on Sunday, Brenneman goes, oh, "This bear offense, it's a tough watch." <laughs> <laughs> like yes. Yes, it is, Tyler. Just like the Reds. You've had plenty of experience with it. <sighs> all right. Well, all we can do is when you watch the Bears, I feel like somebody should like hand you a stick and go, okay, bite down on this. 
and then you just try to you just try to grit through it. <laughs> That's actually good advice. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go looking in my backyard uh, between now and Sunday. <laughs> Get out your bear stick. Get out your bear stick. It's time twigs. to watch three and a half hours of hell. All right. Yeah. Well, enjoy enjoy Can't your wait. snowy Halloween, and uh, we will see what the hell happens. So. All right. Thanks, Later, guys. gentlemen. All right. Thanks, Andy. See you, Kyle. Go back.